0: Uh, This is Skip Lockwood, and you're listening to Mets Musing. I was a pitcher, a relief pitcher, a closer with the New York Mets. I have a new book out called Inside Pitch. Mets Musing, thank you very much.
1: This This is is Len and Jeff
0: from Baseball and Barbecue. And the one place to go for New York Mets news, past week game reviews, upcoming series previews, interviews, analysis, opinion, and what's what's going going down down on the farm. farm. It's It's Mets Mets Musings with Gary Mack. So keep Keep the faith, faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. Mets Musings with with Gary Mack.
1: Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. And hello everybody and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings. We are post Thanksgiving. Hope everybody had a nice holiday out there and, uh, Coming off, took a couple of weeks off, but coming back now, got all kinds of crazy news and rumors going on in the Mets kingdom, so uh, we'll get to that in a minute, but uh, uh, joining me tonight is a very special guest, it's my old co-host Barry, and he's on because he couldn't make the last fan forum that we did, we wanted to get him on to to talk about what's going on, Barry, how the heck are you?
0: I'm good, Gary. Yeah, I'm sorry I missed that roundtable. It sounded like you guys had a blast doing it.
1: We had so much fun. It really was a a lot of fun, and uh, we're going to do it again, and hopefully you can make the next one. But wow, uh, you know, as I said, I took a couple of weeks off because there was really nothing going on, and now the last week and a half, everything is exploded.
0: It certainly has, Gary. I, I read. Really, I guess we'll start with this uh, Robinson Cano, Edgar Diaz, or Edwin Diaz, or possible trade to the Mets. We might as well start there because that's the hot rumor coming from the hot stove.
1: Right, and lots of combinations that they say uh, coming out. Um... I'm not crazy if they include Kelinek in the deal. I'm not even crazy if they include McNeil in the deal. Uh, You know, uh, I know you want these guys, but Kelinek has really got such a a high threshold. And McNeil, I mean, I thought the idea would be worked out good if they kept Cano and McNeil, and McNeil went to third to uh, split some time with Frazier to play third. But... uh, I I don't know. I I, kind of like the one, the deal that Dan Dowd laid out. Did you see that one at all?
0: The one that has, uh, let me, let me, I did see some of it. And I think the one you're talking about is Diaz and Cano. It doesn't include Jeff McNeil. And just for one second, I want to backtrack because you brought up MLB, which John Heyman is a frequent guest on. And my question to John is, do you even know who Jeff McNeil is? Because for <laughs> weeks, all I've heard, and I've heard plenty of John Heyman, is saying that the Mets' biggest needs are catcher. No argument there. Center field, no argument there. Although my wife loves Juan Lagares And he also, and of course the bullpen, and finally he would keep saying that second base, is a position of need for the Mets. So, again, does he even know who Jeff McNeil is and did he see him play the last two months?
1: Yeah, maybe he wasn't sold on him. But, uh, yeah, the Dan Dowd deal, that had, uh, I, let me see, I'm going to try to go by memory. It had uh, Bruce and Justin Dunn and Andres Jimenez and Dominic Smith going to Seattle for Cano Edwin Diaz, and Malik Smith, an outfielder.
0: Okay, yeah, that, that's the one. Okay. Yeah.
1: And I think that that would be a real good deal because it would take care of the center field problem, the bullpen problem, or at least help the bullpen immensely. And uh, you could move McNeil to third, Cano play second, and you're taking care somewhat of the third base uh, problem and, and uh, the second, at least for now. And uh, I don't know. I don't like if Kellenex involved. And I'm not crazy about including McNeil and any other deal. Um, there was another deal version of that that I saw, which included uh, oh, who was it now? I I can't think of it. But the the good part about it all all these talks so far is that it still leaves Syndergaard available if they wanted to package him for something else.
0: Okay, guy. I guess we should put the Syndergaard proposed trade rumors <laughs> on hold for just a moment. But I want to get back to that trade proposal. I don't hate it. I don't love it. I know that's not usually the way I come across, because I'm usually quite opinionated about these <laughs> things. But as far as the Cano deal or to be a little poetic, Robbie Cano, I don't know. <laughs> of course, uh, to, to get Diaz, I mean, who wouldn't want that? And to get him at his age making almost no money, I guess you could put it one way is to say that the salary you're paying Cano is really the money that Diaz would command if he was on the open market. As far as the prospects, well, the Mets have had a lot of prospects, that have not panned out, whether they've kept them and they've bombed his Mets or they've been traded away. So as far as the prospects, as much as it would deplete the farm system even more, I myself would not be against that holding up a potential deal that would help the Mets. My biggest problem with this trade would be, would be moving Jeff McNeil to another position, even though I know he pretty much his minor league career, split time at second base and third base. The Mets, however, have a history of moving young players out of their natural positions, and that history is not very good. McNeil showed a lot during the two months he was up. I know they say you should not really take that seriously, a player's performance, especially in the month of September, but... McNeil sure looked like a hitter, and he looked very comfortable at second base. I don't know whether it, it was thought that he was a poor defensive player. I don't know what, what made the experts think that he, he looked fine at second base to me with decent enough range. So McNeil, and if he doesn't pan out as a Met, then the Mets have a lot of problems regardless. And I certainly would not want to see Robinson Cano as at 36 years old, well past his prime. Who knows how long he was taking the steroids as the Mets second baseman for the mm-hmm. next five years? That that's that's an albatross contract to me. That it's almost uh, sure to blow up in their face. And to, to, and just to make a long... A long story short, I, I really don't know how I feel about about the trade. Although, being able to unload Jay Bruce's contract and free up first base in the corner outfield spots and giving a guy like Peter Alonzo a, pretty much a clear path to first base would certainly be a good thing.
1: Yeah, and that's- I think uh, that's, that's the big issue. And uh, I, I've also heard another deal where uh, Seattle was going to pay fifty million dollars, ten million for the next five years, and take Bruce's contract. So, uh, that way it doesn't cost the Mets as much. Uh, I yeah, it's a tough call, you know, because
0: it really is. Uh,
1: but as I said, if you can free up Diaz and Cano, I mean, then it does solve a couple of major problems and. Uh, uh, I also heard hanukkah a guy named name hanneker uh right handed yeah the out- uh the outfielder power hitter uh included in the deal so uh and not the other and Smith not is out or something i don't know so I don't know you know we'll have to wait and see but it, this just is gonna make this this winter meeting is just gonna be incredible uh to watch
0: well we've been Calling for a GM that thinks outside the box for years. Well, we've got one.
1: <laughs> we certainly have, and he doesn't seem to, to be uh, to be shy about it either. And, uh, you know, we, we mentioned a little bit about Syndergaard, and he was the hot rumor, too, going somewhere. What do you think about that? Uh, po- the possibility of trading Syndergaard?
0: Well, I remember last year, whether I said it as a, guest on one of your podcasts, or if I just said it to you privately, at the end of 2017, when they blamed the 70-win season on injuries, I was willing to give the Mets another season, see how it played out, and then if it played out pretty much the way 2017 did, which it did, then it was time to basically blow it up. And start the rebuilding process. Uh, unfortunately, I'm, I don't know if it's unfortunate or not. The season started out great, then it just spiraled out of control. Mm-hmm. And at the trading deadline, it sure seemed that would have been the time to blow up the team and just start a total rebuild. But then, the Mets played a great th- last third of the season. They were thirty-two and twenty-two in their right. last fifty-four games. So. They're kind of like stuck in the middle once again, the contend. And if you are planning on being a contender, why would you trade Noah Syndergaard? I mean, your starting pitching is what you start with. That's what the Mets have been trying to sell the fans for years, is that the starting pitching is going to make them a contender. So why trade Syndergaard? And I can understand why teams would want him, but that's, to me, the same reason you'd want to keep him. Number one, he's very good, and he's under team control for another three years. I don't see the rush to trade him. Now, if you're telling me you can get Chris Bryant back, well, that's another story and another conversation. But it sounds like one team and only one team, the Padres, are really that interested in him, and I don't really see too many guys on the Padres that excite me In a Syndergaard trade that we would get back from them.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, they mentioned that the Brewers are interested, and uh, who was the other? The Reds, which I don't understand, Uh, but they would be looking for uh, prospects, high prospects, top prospects back for him. I would imagine, and I guess the idea would be is if you deplete your farm system to trade. uh, for example, to get a Diaz and a Cano, at least you can move a Cyndegard, replenish some of that in the farm system, and then uh, you know you still you feel you have enough pitching, or you go out and sign a free agent pitcher. I I don't know it it's um, you know they they're pretty. They're, I wouldn't say they're stocked with pitching, but they. You know, with the I think Wheeler's performance last year really uh, opened their eyes to a potential dealing of Syndergaard and, uh, you know, uh, filling a lot more holes in the fell swoop.
0: Well, the emergence of Zach Wheeler as a top-line pitcher does change the equation a little bit, and maybe it makes Syndergaard a little more expendable. But remember, Wheeler is a free agent after next season, so you got to be pretty confident that you're going to sign him to a long-term contract. And if he has another season like he had for his 2018 second half anyway, he's going to demand a lot of money. Do you think the Mets are willing to pony it up? Not to mention there's still that guy number 48 who used to have <laughs> the long hair. I think he won the Cy Young. He's looking for a lot of money, well-deserved. And... If you're going to trade Syndergaard, you darn well better have Jacob DeGrom locked up for a a long time.
1: Yeah, I I think they'll get that done. And I think uh, uh, the other thing that they're looking at, if they did happen to trade Syndergaard and and, uh, the season goes south, then they can always move Wheeler in July and try to get, uh, you know, um, replenish even further and uh, go from there. I, I think they figure that they have enough young guys that they can they can kind of rebuild on the fly and i think that's part of the the plan um i don't have any inside information on that but i would think that would be one thing they might be considering at at this time and um but you know, we got to see how it all plays out. And uh, at least they seem to be more involved than the rumors seem to be more than just rumors.
0: I just don't see where they have a fit with Sandy Diego, which is the team that is most often linked to guard. I do think that a starting rotation just obviously with DeGrom is number one, followed by Wheeler, even Mets and others, there are worse. And if you look at the teams that were in the playoffs last year, none of those rotations. Maybe, well, maybe at the end the Red Sox really knocked anybody's socks off. So, so if you have a deep, a deep bullpen and and stronger position players, which the Mets is sorely lacking, then I, I suppose that you might be able to contend. Of course, there are other factors, injuries, and other positions that the Mets would obviously have to shore up along with the proposed two trades that we've been talking about, center field, catcher, and more than just Diaz for that bullpen. He himself is not nearly enough. The Mets still need three or four other guys, but certainly having Diaz as your closer would, 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 would be wonderful.
1: It's a nice start. and don't forget lugo could always be moved to a starting rotation i mean i think that's what you know they're they're figuring on all those kind of things gizelman uh was a starter on a major league level and pitched pretty well so uh and did a nice job out of the bullpen so they you know i i think they figure they have enough there um i you know it's just it Let's wait and see and see what happens. That's all we can do at this point.
0: And don't laugh, Gary, but the Jason Vargas of August and September pitched pretty well as a fourth or fifth starter. You could do worse than the, Jacob, than the Jason Vargas of August and September anyway, and they still have Corey Oswald or Oswald, or however you pronounce his name, and like you said, they could move the Zellman Back into the rotation. He was doing great in the pen, Mm -hmm. but he got overused. Yeah. As a fifth star, they they could do worse. Blue guy would leave right where he is. Yeah,
1: yeah. But he wants.
0: Maybe as the eighth inning guy to Diaz.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he would be good in either spot. But uh, it's a good, uh, good, good headache to have, I guess, for a certain extent.
0: Now, there are other bullpen options. There are a bunch of free agent closers out there, and I'll throw a couple of names at you, and you tell me what you think. And oh, I think I have—I pretty much know what how you're going to think about or what you're going to think about one of them. But there's <laughs> Adam Ottavino of the Rockies, Joe Kelly of the Red Sox, who was just dynamite. Yeah, yeah. Even a guy like David Robertson of the Yankees, who might have worn out. His Welcome there, and the last name. And I have a feeling we're going to disagree on this one. But Jerry's familiar is out there.
1: <laughs> well, I, I'm—I—I got to tell you, I'm a little surprised that they caught him or released him or whatever they did. I thought they would, you know, give him another shot. Um, and familiar. Yeah. Oh. Oh. That's, I'm thinking of Mejia. I'm sorry. Mahia's out there too.
0: Yes, that's true. Uh, Thanks, but no thanks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, Familia, yeah, I mean, uh, the ideal thing would be if you could bring in a guy like Diaz and then bring back a Familia. That would be really terrific. Uh, But, you
0: know, Familia wants wants to be a closer somewhere, as do these other guys.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well... You know, sometimes it doesn't work out that way. And, and in this day and age, you can make just as much money uh, in in other spots. I mean, look, the Red Sox had Closer, but, uh, you know, they had Kimbrell. He's out there, too. Um, True. But uh, a couple of times, they didn't even use him in the big games. They used uh, Evaldi and, uh, in the World Series. And, and so uh, it's a different age now.
0: Well, you do need a deep bullpen with these new sabermetrics that say that a starting pitcher can only go through the lineup twice. So you do need a deep bullpen.
1: That, that you certainly how what do. your
0: starting pitching is. Let that's is true.
1: right. And the other question the Mets are going to be having this week is that the non-tender deadline is Friday, and they have nine arbitration-eligible players. And uh, uh, I would say among the the nine, there are six that are pretty well locks to get the tender to contract. And they are uh, Jacob deGrom, Syndergaard, Zach Wheeler, Michael Conforto, Steven Matz, and Ploiecki. I think they're going to get arbitration. Okay. The uh, other three that are up in the air is Rafael Montero. I think he's a, a lock. Not to get tend uh, to get tendered, I should say, or non tendered. What's the word? I'm I'm all confused now. He's lot to get non tendered. Uh, the other two are going to be questions: uh, Wilma Flores and Travis Darno. What's your? I think I know your opinion on one. I'm not sure about the other.
0: Yeah, it's time to move from. It's time to move on from Travis Darno. Unfortunately, he gets hurt too much and. He's almost—he must be close to 30 years old, and it's—it's—it's it's time to move on. I could live with Devin Meseraco as the number one catch. i, I really couldn't. Certainly, he had a rapport with Jacob Degrom.
1: He certainly did, and but he's a free agent. They'd have to sign him. Uh, so, uh, but and no uh, word on whether he's going anywhere. But and the catcher.
0: In the free agent market are are pretty thin. I guess the best guy out there might just be Wilson Ramos, who's hurt all the time. So yeah, yeah. As good as he is, that's a that's a scary option. I would, I think I would prefer not to go down that path. I, I really think that they could live with Mesuraco as the number one and maybe pick up a Rene Rivera as the backup catcher. He's a free agent. Wilmer's a tough call. We all love Wilmer. Yeah. And my 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 heart says yes, my head says no, and ideally you want your backup utility infielder to be more of a defensive player, which Wilmer definitely is not, but he still makes them has made some valuable contributions to the Mets over the years. And He actually played a fairly decent first base. He played most of the first base for the second half of the season, at least until September when they called up Dom Smith. Mm -hmm. But I do, I'm pretty sure the Mets are looking to better themselves at that position. And unless the plan is to not trade Jay Bruce, install him at first base, I think the long-range plan probably is. If Peter Alonso is the guy,
1: yeah, and uh, I, I, yeah, I can't agree. I think it's time to move on from Wilmer, and uh, he'd probably be best served being in the American League. He could DH, and uh, you know, uh, he'd probably hit a ton over there. Could be. Um, we were talking about the catching market a little bit, and and uh, it came out that uh, Russell Martin and Francisco Cervelli are uh, drawing interest That the Blue Jays and Pirates have decided to put them on the market. Do uh, you see anything there that might, uh, uh, of course, it would have to be a trade? Yeah, you know what, Gary, is an
0: upgrade over Miserocco it's not that great of an upgrade, especially when you're talking about having to move pieces, and those teams probably would be looking for prospects. I'm I'm a little surprised that Tavelli is on the trade market. I don't know what his contract is, how long he has to go to free agency. Russell Martin's been around. He, he's been on like a, a million teams. Yeah. <laughs> and usually those teams win, so I guess that says something about him. But... Really, I, I was fine with Mr. Rocco as the catcher. You saw how much improvement the, the starting pitching made once he got there. I'm sure you have to give some of the credit to Mickey, some of the credit to Dave Allen, and then the pitches. Maybe they would just they just matured, and but you got to give Mr. Rocco some of the credit. I think the pitches themselves said. They love throwing to him, and if you notice that toward the end, when the Mets were so desperately trying to get Jake as many wins as they could so he could get that Cy Young award, Meseraco always caught him. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, Look, I I thought Meseraco did a real fine job, and, and for the most part here, he stayed healthy. Uh, he's right. he's had a guy that's had a lot of injuries, but uh, when he came to the Mets, he had some towards the end of the year, but nothing of the major type, little nagging type of deals. And uh, but I thought he did a really fine job. I think, as you said, he really when he came over, he really calmed down that that pitching staff. Um, and look, I'm not going to blame. You know, uh, Dono got hurt. Ploiecki was hurt for a while. And then so you had uh, Tomas Nito came up from double-A ball and I think did a great job. Uh, you know, and, and Jose Lobaton, whose best days were gone anyway, um, they just couldn't get it done. Uh, but, uh, you know, I have to say, I think Nito – you could see him improve over the course of the year, and when he he came back up again at the towards the end of the year, he looked like a better ball player as well, more confident, more confident with handling the pitchers. Uh, I, I don't know whether they consider him a, a possible long term starter or or what, but uh, certainly as a backup, I could see him being there. Um, Pleweki looked like a different player last year as well. I thought. I think he I thought he looked more confident, uh, more confident at the plate, and uh, more confident with the pitching staff. So we'll see. It's it's going to be interesting, and um, you know, the, the, having a veteran catcher like a Mezirak with a with a young guy like Pleweki or a is a big advantage.
0: And you know, guy, the Mets could do worse than having a catching tandem of Meseropko and Pulecki, which it was most of last year, that's what it was. And another thing, if a guy like, whether it's Nito or whoever, they have to be sent down, well, now their AAA team is in Syracuse, so no longer will there be that 3,000-mile trip (laughs) from New York to Vegas. I'm sure that had to take a toll on a lot of these players, especially some of those pitchers who... Who was the guy he was sent down and brought up about ten oh, times?
1: Yeah. I, know. I can't think. There was think
0: one that. guy in particular. I forget which one it was. Oh, who was it? Uh Rain. That's a J- oh, Jacob
1: Rain. Yeah. I yeah.
0: I think they made about fourteen rock moves with him. I but he, he was I mean, the the frequent flyer miles he must have accumulated he could fly by an airline by now. <laughs>
1: But that's one thing they'll miss now. They won't be getting as many frequent flyer miles.
0: Well, uh, well, this is true. <laughs> but you know, you have to give something to get something, Gary.
1: <laughs> and uh, one more thing before we go: uh, a recent signing at that. Uh, well, actually, I got a couple more things. Uh, Dilson Herrera is back with the Mets. Does this solve the second base problem?
0: Well, we'll have to see about what happens with uh, Cano and McNeil and <laughs> how that all plays out. Wilma Flores, too. I mean, the Mets certainly have quantity at that position. Quality, I'm not sure. But I want I to uh, go back a, a, and talk a little about the, 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 the Jacob deGrom Cy Young Award because you guys talked, you covered that a little bit. But I wanted to throw my two cents okay. on there. And also to say that Sabermetrics, as much as anything, got him that award because 30 years ago, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, he probably doesn't get it. But he had 12 starts with seven innings or more, two run runs or fewer allowed, and no wins. I mean, that's ridiculous. His record was 10 and 9. In those twelve starts, let's be uh, let's uh, you know be conservative. Let's say he would have got nine wins out of those twelve starts. So his record really should have been more like twenty and seven or twenty and six instead of ten and nine. And if he doesn't get those last two starts with wins, who knows if he even gets the Cy Young? And what difference does it make if he won your, with twenty nine first place votes? As long as he got it. I know you guys touched a little about that that writer in San Diego who voted for
1: Schuster. Yeah. Okay.
0: I think uh the guy on F Steve Summers, right, who uh Yes. Who uh based, I basically think he ambushed that writer.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I don't think it and was ab-
0: absolutely. If you want to have a real conversation with him, you just start by talking him with a little respect and saying, what was your thinking? Blah, blah, blah. Instead of doing that nonsense about, can you look at yourself in the mirror? Do you want your 15 minutes of fame? I mean, whatever it was, he said, I mean, it was totally uncalled for. And the San Diego writer whose name escapes me had every right to hang up on him.
1: He had every right. And he had every right to vote for whoever he wanted to.
0: Absolutely. And Scherzer had a tremendous season. He, clearly had Cy Young award numbers, and in many other seasons, they would have got him a Cy Young award, and uh, Aaron Nola, too. But Jake won it. He deserved it. We're happy. He's our guy. clearly had a historic season. I maintained through the year that unless you really saw DeGrom pitch pretty much every start, you could not appreciate What a great season he had. Fortunately, we were able to do that and realize how great it was.
1: Right. All right, I'm going to throw some things at you and get a quick reaction to it. Uh, Chili Davis is the new hitting coach?
0: I'm okay with that. I would have preferred Dave Magadan, but I'm okay with Chili. And in a way, because Magadan is one of my favorite all-time Mets players, I'm happy he didn't get the job because inevitably the Mets are going to go into a team slump. And fair or not, quite often, and we've done it with uh, Kevin Long and with Ross, so the hitting coach gets blamed. Again, fair or not. So for it to happen and then for me having to blame Magadan for it would have been something I may not have been that comfortable with. But Chile has experience. Uh, if it couldn't be Magadan, Chili Day was – is an okay choice.
1: Jim Riggleman, bench coach.
0: Nationally experienced, managed many teams. A little old, but I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, Probably not to uh Nicky Cowley, but if he had to step in as the manager, which hopefully would not happen temporarily, that would be okay, too. But hopefully he will not come to that, and he will be... A good bench coach for Mickey, because certainly uh, the one they had last year, uh, he came up a little short,
1: without a doubt. Uh, and and we discussed this before, and and I've discussed it on this show that the, they needed a National League guy. I really felt like that, uh, uh, you know, from the beginning, and they they failed in that way, and and I think they failed. Uh, Callaway there. I think that was a, 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 an Alderson decision, and I think he really failed Callaway in that aspect by not giving him the best shot and, and the best staff.
0: Your boy Sandy may have dropped the ball on that one. He could have <laughs> vetoed that choice of senior and suggested and maybe even gotten somebody else to be the bench coach. So, yeah, I agree with you. They, They... Definitely dropped the ball on the bench coach last year, but hopefully they they got it right for this year.
1: Uh, Two uh, front office uh, appointees or hires, I should say. Uh, Adam Gutridge is assistant GM of systematic development. He's an analytics guy, and You're a, saying, nun, a and Allard Baird from the Red Sox, who was a former GM. Uh, of the uh um uh escapes me now who he was I with the, i think the royal the royal yes thank you and uh not necessarily a or a uh, saber guy but uh open to anything and uh we're rounding off and he's getting uh van Wagen and he is bringing in experienced guys that he can work with hopefully
0: we will work out. Alan Perry, that's the name I have heard throughout the years. And I think that he's um, thought of very highly throughout baseball. So, And like I said, he was the Royals' GM for a while. I think he had left before they got their pennant in World Series, unfortunately, at the Mets' expense. But obviously he had something to do with building that organization. And, of course, being with the Red Sox for all these years, uh, you yeah. know, he must have had a big hand in helping them win their world championships. Right.
1: And finally, finally, and I mean finally, uh, <laughs> Wally Backman is named manager of the Long Island Ducks. Okay, good for Wally. Maybe
0: i will go out and catch a Ducks game because of that. You never know what Wally's going to do.
1: And maybe we'll have to try to get him on the show or or at least get some sort of interview with him now that he's going to be on Long Island. It's worth a shot. (laughs) Well, Bear, this has been a hoot, and I want to thank you for coming on tonight.
0: My pleasure, Gary. I I enjoy it. And a happy holiday to you and your family. I look forward to your next roundtable discussion. Hopefully I'll be able to make this one.
1: Well, uh, like I said, uh, uh, if you don't make the next one, we're gonna have, I think, one or two more before the season gets underway. So, uh, and and maybe that's something we should continue throughout the season at certain points in time. And I think it'll be a fun thing to do when and, and have everybody in.
0: And I definitely want to see Len's grocery list. <laughs>
1: I tried to get him over to to, uh, to winterize my grill, but no success. <laughs> all right, Barrett, thanks so much, and I want to thank you all out there for tuning in, and uh, don't forget to uh, please subscribe, and uh, on YouTube and and uh, iTunes wherever you catch the podcast. And uh, join me again next time. And remember, until we're together next time, keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. Good night, everybody.